Welcome to Light Steps Live. Our mission is to open the Word of God to edify the believer and evangelize the world, that people who follow Jesus can walk in the light as He is in the light. James chapter number 5, beginning at verse number 7, down through verse number 12. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. I have four big thoughts and a lot of little tiny thoughts about waiting today. Have you ever thought about all the things we wait for? When I was in the army, sometimes we would get in line, especially in the early days, the early days of being in, in uh, your basic training and, and things of that nature. You you really didn't know what, what military life was about. And so you literally were shuffled from one point to the next. And sometimes we would wait in line and we wouldn't even know what we were waiting in line for. I'll never forget going, a, going you know, waiting in a line, and but it was going around a corner. And so uh, up to a point, I just knew that the line went around the corner. Then when I got around the corner, it went through a door, but I couldn't see what was in the door. So I, I, I couldn't wait to get around that corner. I got around that corner. I couldn't wait to get through that door. I got through that door. I could see exactly what was going on. People were getting three shots from these huge needles, uh, two on one arm and one on the other. And we were in line to get shots, and I didn't even know what we were in line for. Um, it really blew my mind. We, we do a lot of waiting. Um, have you ever thought about, maybe you shouldn't. But have you ever thought about how much time we've spent waiting uh, in dentist and doctor offices? One of my pet peeves is how we make an appointment for a time and they run late, you know, but we can't run late. And so that, that's just one of those things that just gets under my skin. You know, I made an appointment for 2.30. You want me to show up early and then you're not going to be ready to roll at 2.30. Or how about how many times we, since 9-11, we've waited in line at airports, uh, security lines. It drives me crazy. Um, joke, nobody fuss at me, but, you know, uh, we typically think that a man always has to wait for a long time for a woman to get ready to go out. Uh, but the truth be told, some men are guilty of that too. Um, how about customer service? Oh man, these days you, you call them and no person answers and you got to do all these things. And once you've done all those things, you just got to wait. Um, uh, how about traffic? Oh my gracious. When you're going along an interstate, two or three lanes, speed limit 70 miles an hour, you come to a, a screeching halt and you can't see what it is. And uh, sometimes it's something sort of sad or gruesome. Someone's had an accident. And then, you you know, it's easy for me to forget how much I hated waiting. And sometimes it's something dumb. Let's be honest. We'll, we'll slow down an entire, uh, you know, westbound lane because we're looking at an accident that happened in the eastbound lane. In other words, rubbernecking. 
we struggle to wait. I struggle to wait. I don't know if you can relate to any of my examples. Uh, the Apostle James, know, he knew that people struggle to wait. So he gives us some words on waiting. Now, let's be very particular here. What James is really urging us to look forward to is the return of Jesus. So he says in verse number seven, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Now, why? Because at the coming of the Lord, everything's going to be set straight. Somebody say amen. So I, I would say, I would say the way to be patient, the way to be patient um, as we wait for the return of the Lord is to wait with eager expectation. Let me carry you to a couple of passages and see if I can highlight what I'm talking about very quickly. Um, the, the first passage I think of is just a few page backwards in your Bible in Hebrews chapter number nine, if I can get my pages to turn. I'll pick it up in verse 27 because that's the beginning of the sentence, but really I'm looking at Hebrews 9, 28. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's where I get that line, wait with eager expectation. Um, uh, be waiting for Jesus' return. And I think the scripture is telling us that we shape our lives we shape our lives with that in view. We live our lives and we shape our lives with the expectation that he'll return. Now, what does that shape look like? This is where we'll turn to uh, one of the one of the pastoral epistles from Brother Paul. Let's let's look at Titus chapter number two. Now, these happen to be uh, a few of my favorite verses in the whole entire Bible. Titus chapter two, verses eleven through fourteen. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works." And he tells, I'll add verse 15, uh, the Apostle Paul tells Pastor Titus, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. So what are we doing? What does is, what is eager expectation look like? What does it look like to eagerly expect and wait for the return of Christ? Well, there's some inner work that's going on. We, um, we are to be uh, renouncing ungodliness, renouncing worldly passions. We're to be embracing uh, the Holy Spirit's help to live self-controlled, upright, and godly right now in this present age. And we're also to be zealous for good works. So that's inner work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us, inner work. And then there's outer work, what the Spirit wants to do through uh through us, in us and through us. So you go back to James chapter five, when he says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits, okay? What's interesting is, is if anybody knows anything about farming, the farmer does have to wait, but what the farmer also does is everything that's in his control. He plows, he removes rocks, he fights off weeds, he deals with bugs, 
Um, but he has to wait for the rain, the first rain, the latter rain. He has to he has to wait for the weather conditions to be right. So so a farmer waits with the expectation that the things are out of his control are going to be taken care of by the Lord. But he also works with ready hands on the things that have been left to him to do. So I see this wonderful partnership with the living God when we wait with eager expectation. We believe he's doing a work in our lives. We believe he's doing a work through our lives. We believe that there's good works for us to do. And so like a good farmer, as James says, who waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the rain. You know, we do what we're called to do and we trust God with the things that we're not in control of. Now, what's interesting here is when he uses the words that, that were translate into English in the English Standard Version that I'm using, it says, be patient, therefore. But in some other translations, it says, like, uh, be long suffering. Now, I can see why modern day English translators, uh, take that out. We don't like the sound of that. Be long suffering. <laughs> but that's what it's calling us to. This is, this is, this is a definitely a, a very hardcore marathon. And so, um, it doesn't mean like clean the house. There's visitors coming in an hour. It means keep cleaning the, the house because, uh, you don't know when the visitors are coming and have the attitude that I'm going to, I'm going to keep the house clean, uh, you know, forever, every day, all day, forever. Well, this is this idea that God is working in our lives and, and he's preparing us for the return of Christ or he's preparing us to come unto him. And we're to work, we're allow and embrace this work all the time. And we're to be zealous every day, all day for the work of God. Cause when he comes back, that's what he's going to do. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to come back and he's not coming back to judge sin. He's coming to complete salvation. Okay. Uh, judging sin. Uh, he's opened up the door of grace. The door of grace will be closed, uh, and the, and the, and the door of glory will be opened. And all those who have eagerly await, awaiting him will, um, be caught up in the air as another place in the scripture tells us. And, and we'll be, you know, we'll be consumed in holiness. What do we do till then? We suffer long. Think about Think about the time scale of what he's calling us to do. He's saying, live every day like I might come that day and live uh, with the attitude that it might be many days that I come. You say, is that, are those counter one another? Yes. Expect, expect to, the need of the, the necessity of patience. Expect it. But also embrace the necessity of urgency as a tension and we need those tensions. So wait with eager expectation, understanding that God is working in you and God is working through you. Understand that the life of a farmer is about leaving the things that are out of that farmer's control in God's hands, but it's also about doing the things that are in our control. Secondly, secondly, there's so much I'd like to say here, but I don't want to belabor our time too much. Secondly, um, I, I think it's really important to see in verse nine that we should wait with others in kindness while pursuing contentment. What do I mean by that? Go back to verse number nine. Okay. 
Really, I think we should start in the middle of verse eight, which says, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Like get your heart ready. This is, this is the seat of your affections and also the expression of how we, how we engage emotionally with things around us. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another's brothers. Now, I'm going to say a couple things about this. Uh, go back to my point. Wait with others in kindness while pursuing contentment. All right. Let me see how I can shake these thoughts. Now, number one, number one, we should understand that we're being called to live like this in community. How do I know? How do I know? It says don't grumble against your brothers. There's no, there's no lone ranger Christianity. That thought process is absolute unabated hogwash. Okay. That's where this part where I say wait with others. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, one of the things I love is, you know, that's that passage preacher's quote where it says, uh, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. And he gives the reason why, since, you know, all the more important with the day at hand. In other words, we need to remind each other uh, that what we're doing is waiting for the return of Jesus together. Okay. And we do that in community. But we do it with kindness. Don't grumble against one another. Don't, don't, uh, and that's exactly what I said. Don't grumble against each other. You know, in other words, watch your mouth. Be careful how you speak. And then he gives the reasons. Like when you grumble against people, you're making a judgment and says, watch out. You know, you're not the judge. Watch out. The judge is actually coming. Okay. And I, I, I'll go ahead and tell you this. Grumbling will ruin a, a whole lot of stuff. So what happens is, is we can tolerate something for a little bit of time. I was listening to some uh, podcast recently, and it was a podcast off of a radio station in Chicago, and uh, and they were just doing these little sound bites about how we lose patience with each other, and and uh, they were they were talking to this lady who played in an orchestra for a for a long running play, an orchestra where um, they they were in cramped quarters right there under the stage in the in the or- orchestral pit, and. Uh, and uh, she was sort of griping one day about the temperature down there and said, uh, you know, one of her, you know, orchestra mates, uh, you know, says, just sighs really loud, says, I'm just tired of the sound of your voice. <laughs> they, they got this job, which is what they want. They want a job as a professional musician in this setting. They got this job and, and uh, you know, they, they're in a long running play, which means it's successful, right? So they're at the job they want, doing the thing they want, and it's, and it's a success. But what do they do? They grumble against each other, right? That's what we do. So the Apostle James says, don't do that. As you're waiting on the Lord, as you're waiting on the Lord, he is urging us to let the greater thing we wait on together rule the lesser things that drive us nuts about each other. That is just good, solid, sound counsel coming to us by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle James. And it's really important that we establish our hearts on that big thing that Jesus is coming back. All right. And and so there's sort of this love reason Jesus will return. And there's also sort of this uh, uh, lament reason, I'll call it. The judge stands at the door. It's one of the same thing. Right. Establish your heart. The Lord's coming back. Don't judge. Don't don't judge one another because the judge is standing at the door. There's that tension again. Okay. Thirdly, thirdly, and uh, I see our time is just flying. Boy, 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 boy. Thirdly, 
Wait in your blessed station, looking back and ahead. Wait in your blessed station. Now, sometimes people will use that, that phrase blessed like, like a curse, like they're cursing. I don't mean it that way. I mean, you're blessed. Let me see if I can phrase it like this. What, what James does then is he uses a couple of, uh, illustrations, one per verse in verse 10 and verse 11. First thing he does is he uses the example of all the prophets who preached the word of God and they were waiting of the coming of the Messiah. In other words, I, I they had what I'll call a double weight. They were waiting for the coming and the coming back. Okay. We have a blessed station right now. We're just waiting for the coming back. Our faith should be easier because we've seen him come. All right. And we know his life. They were looking for him to come and then live his life and then come back. We're just waiting on the other part. So we need to know our station. We need to look back that he has come. And on the days we're tempted to lose heart, stand in the fact that he has come and let that inform our waiting as we look forward to his return, to his coming again. So live in your station and let it encourage you. Secondly, secondly, he uses the example of Job. Did you notice that? Um, he says, Job remained, uh, remained steadfast. Uh, it says, you heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. Wow. Uh, he's actually referencing the entire story and life of Job. He says, you see the purpose of the Lord. God's going to get glory off his people. And if you'll hang with God uh, through the things that are frustrating, if you'll wait for God to show up, you'll wait wait for God to answer all the issues of your life, you're going to be blessed. And there, Job is your answer. Um, and um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough answer. So then fourthly, as we move toward a close, and I'm running fast because I see time is running away. Praise God. Fourthly, also wait with careful speech. This is a packed uh, session right here. And it's so much could be said about, about these, these beautiful verses that I'm not saying. Um, but go back to verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear. Do not give an oath. This isn't simply saying don't cuss. Um, but above all, my brothers, do not swear, do not give an oath, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your and your nay be nay. The 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 real thing here is this is truth matters to God, what we say matters to God, given our word matters to God. And so he's saying, in this time of waiting, don't grumble against each other and don't 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 run your mouth too much. Don't don't make promises you can't keep. Don't make oaths that you can't live up to. Um, live 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 in simplicity. Live in sim. He says above all. If you guys notice this, verse twelve. But above all, in other words, this is even more important than not grumbling with each other. This is in essence, don't grumble with God. And you go back to that lesson. From a bit ago in James, don't say I'm going to go to this town and do this business. Say, Lord willing, I'll go to that town. Lord willing, I'll do that business. 
but you know, don't don't swear by anything. Don't make an oath by anything. Learn to be that sort of person that when you say something, you just need to simply say it and you mean it. If you say yes, you mean yes and you'll follow through. If you say no, you mean it and you'll follow through. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Why? Why? He says this 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 is important because it'll keep you from falling under condemnation. Don't be a person who who's going around trying to play God. Don't be a person. Don't don't grumble against others. Don't be a person who undercuts others, and also don't be a person who attempts to undercut God's plan. And and that's what's at stake while we wait. That's literally what's at stake while we wait. Um, we we absolutely have to become people who wait with eager expectation, trusting God to work in us and through us. We have to, we absolutely have to see this as a as a as a um, community thing. We wait with others in kindness, in kindness, not just wait, but we wait with kindness. We don't grumble. We appreciate the station we're in. We're not like the prophets who are looking at the coming and the coming back. We're just, we've, we, we've seen the coming of the Lord. We're looking at the coming and we understand that our station in life, like the prophets is like, and like Job is God's doing something. God chose for us to be alive at this time and it matters in our life and we can trust God with it. And finally, we want to wait with careful speech. We don't want to, we don't want to undermine our brothers and we don't want to undermine the Lord. Why? Because condemnation comes to those who ignore these warnings. Thank you for joining us on Light Steps Live today. My name is Katie Bose, and the rest of our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley. Music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Connect with Banjo Ben at banjobenclark.com. Tim Bose is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club. Mm-hmm.